0: Hey, if you have a Bible, uh, would you flip on over to Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to land this morning. Luke chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles uh, throughout the room and we'd love for you to get one of those. And so you can grab one now or if you're too uh, embarrassed to stand up, grab one on your way out the door and bring that home. Uh, that is our gift to you and I think we could probably give you no better gift than uh, give, a, give a, not a fisherman a fish but a, a pole, right? And so we're going to let you get that and, and, and grow. And so take that. Uh, we also have it on our church App as well. The Bible is right there. And so Luke chapter 8, this is one of my favorite stretches in the ministry of Jesus. This is so, so good. And I think one of the reasons it's my, my favorite stretch in the ministry of Jesus is because it appears to be one of Jesus' busiest seasons of his time on earth. And well, I'm busy. Are you busy? Who's busy? You're busy? We're all busy. And, uh, and, and I think you can learn a lot about a person when they're under pressure. Would you agree? You learn a lot about a person when they're under pressure. Uh, maybe you've seen those squishy balls. Have you seen those squishy balls that you can get at Five Below or the Dollar Store? You know what I'm talking about? And you squeeze it and stuff kind of... When, when you take both hands and you take that ball and you squeeze it, something's going to pop out. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I, I kind of think that's, that's true of us. That When we come under pressure and we get squeezed, some things kind of get exposed, whether it's just you're under a busy season or you're under a trial, a difficulty, you squeeze, something gets exposed. And so let's see what gets exposed uh, when Jesus is under pressure here in this really busy season of his ministry. Luke chapter 8, we'll pick up in, in verse 40. Here's what it says. It says, now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went, or as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So, beautiful passage of scripture, and this is Jesus'. Busy season. If you want to have your finger ready to flip a little bit, if you have a paper Bible with you, uh, I want to show you with just surrounding context just how busy this season is for Jesus. So uh, in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Jesus was going through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So he's going city to city, village to village proclaiming the message of Jesus. Uh, Verse 4 of chapter 8, when a great crowd was gathering and the people from town after town, came to him. Verse 5, he gives the parable of the sower, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago to kick off this series. Uh, verse 9, the disciples came to him to pick his brain. They wanted a little bit more about the parables. Verse 19, his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. So you've got the crowds, hundreds, probably thousands coming after Jesus. You got his close friends, his disciples, tell us more, Jesus. You got his family pulling for his time and for his attention. It's crazy. Verse 22, so he, he gets into a boat and he hops into this boat because they're, they're doing all of this along the, the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and then he goes to minister to people now on the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee there. And, and in route to getting to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, uh, he tries to get a nap. Uh, But you may know the story, his nap gets interrupted with a a deadly storm that comes upon the water. He stands up, he takes care of the storm, he saves the lives of his disciples. Uh, And so that nap was interrupted. He lands on the other side of the sea where they were going before the storm. Verses 26 and 27 says when they get to the other side of the sea, verse 27 says, As soon as Jesus stepped out on the land, there met him a man who had demons not a demon demons so it's a, it's a big deal jesus takes care of the situation gets back in the boat, goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee where they came from. Verse 40, which we just read, says now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. So they're all waiting for him, it says. Verse 41, and there came a man, Jairus. We just talked about Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue, and he's falling at Jesus' feet. He's telling Jesus about his daughter who is deathly ill. Time is of the, the essence. Verse 42, he goes, and as he goes to, to heal the girl, the people pressed around him. They're, they're squeezing him like that ball. And in, in fact, in Mark chapter 3, verse 9, uh, it, it talks about the great crowds there as well. And it says that Jesus was almost crushed by the crowds if you were to flip over to the next chapter in Luke chapter 9 uh, you may know the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 but what you may not remember is in verse 11 here's what it says it says he took his disciples and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida and so he's trying to have a little staff retreat really because uh, his guys had just been sent out to go in groups of two to to minister the message of Jesus as Jesus has been doing they come back and he says okay, okay, it's been a crazy stretch. Let's go away. Let's withdraw to Bethsaida, kind of a quiet town, sleepy town, and they withdraw there. And and verse 12, though, says, when the crowds learned it, they followed him. And the rest is history because then he begins to teach them and then he feeds all of these crowds because they're way out in the middle of nowhere in the countryside, like if we were to have a staff retreat up in Maine or something. The point is that there is tremendous pressure There are tremendous demands. There are massive amounts of people. Jesus, 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 Rabbi, teacher, Master. Jesus, heal us, teach us, explain this to us. Uh, Jesus, you're, you're my son, you're my brother. Can we have some of your time? Jesus, Jesus, come on, Jesus. And when he is squeezed, when he's under pressure, when he's nearly, literally crushed, what gets exposed? A beautiful heart for people. A sincere concern for people pops out when he gets squeezed. We're in the middle of this sermon series that we're calling Pause. And if you remember back to week one, we addressed our pace. That the atmosphere, the air that we breathe is just fast-paced and and constant things coming at us and pulling at us and tugging at our attention and if we didn't already have crazy enough lives we've we've yeah, added these devices to our lives and so we constantly have contact with people we have a steady stream of information so we addressed we addressed our pace that there really is a, a need for us we were wired to slow down a bit week 2 we addressed the need to actually pause that not not only slow down but we do need to to pause and and so we talked about pausing jesus says you need to go to your room and shut the door and be with your father he says seek him and you will find him when you search for him with all of your heart not not most of your heart and the other is kind of tugged on oh let me just check on this real quick all of all of your heart and so week one pace week two pause and and this week is people This week we need to think about how how it's so vital. It's so a part of who Jesus is and therefore needs to be a part of who we are as Christians that we have to pause for people. We have to pause for who? Let me just say it one more time because I want to make sure you got this because I think maybe we're like, yeah, I'm the exception because my life is crazy. We have to pause for... Okay, you got it? We have to pause for real people who have been made in the image of God, who are loved by God, who are in need of a Savior. They are in your lives. Or should I say, you are in their lives by design, right? Paul, when he preaches at Mars Hill or the Areopagus, he preaches this powerful sermon and he says, our God appointed the boundaries of your habitation, that means he appointed the neighborhood you live in. He appointed the cubicle you are in. He appointed the school that you are in. He appointed the, the, the person that you, for whatever reason, you guys just keep crossing paths. You think that's a coincidence? God appointed the you are in their lives, right? By design of God. And so do you pause for them? We have to pause for real People. And I told you at the start of this whole thing that partially why we're doing this sermon series is just group therapy. Because this is stuff I stink at. Like I'm not up here as the expert who's just conquered it and figured it out and live it out so beautifully. This is stuff I stink at. And so I thought, hey, if I just preach a sermon series on it, maybe I'll grow in it. And maybe they'll learn something, too, and we can just kind of have group therapy together. So thank you for uh, for uh, saving me a, a, a doctorate appointment, and this is this has been really good for me. So back to today's text. Verse 40, Jesus gets off of the boat. He had gone, and there was a storm. He gets to the other side. He gets really crazy demons, you know, all the pigs, all the crazy stuff. He gets back. And the boat he comes back, and as soon as his, his foot hits the land, all these people start coming to him, right? And, and they're saying, This guy right here's got he's got he's got something to say to you, and his name is Jairus. And and Jairus uh, was a leader at the synagogue, and, and the, really essentially what his role was is, is he was in charge of of taking care of, of the synagogue, you know, making sure it's all everything's in order, all the all the contents are in order, the preparations for worship are are in place. And this was a Position that would have been appointed by the elders, and so the elders appointed this man. So he would have been a trustworthy man, a reputable man. He would have been near and dear to to the people of the town. And this man, who the people loved, his daughter—not just his daughter, his only daughter—was sick to the point of near death. And and so Jesus has come and gone and come back again, and he says he's back. Okay. This is my only hope. Jesus is my only hope. And and Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus, believing that Jesus can heal his daughter in this desperate, urgent situation. And so off Jesus goes, right? Okay, got it? And he's off. And he's going to meet the girl because the father left the house to come to the shore to catch Jesus as soon as he comes back. And, And as soon as Jesus starts walking, what happens? Verse 42, the crowds start pressing in on him. It's it's hectic, but he's got to get to this girl. Despite the crowds, he's got to get to her. It's it's urgent. And then, while the crowds are pressing in, this one woman somehow slips through the, the, the crowds and, and we learn about this woman that she has menstrual bleeding issues. That she's been bleeding for 12 years straight. That's crazy. She spent all of her money on, on doctors and they can't figure this thing out to no avail. And so she is absolutely desperate and in desperate faith, believing that Jesus can heal her. She comes behind him and she touches his robe. She reaches out through the mob of people, touches his robe, believing in her heart that if I can only touch him, I could be healed. And so she does get to touch him and she is healed. And then that's it. Jesus just keeps going? No. Jesus speaks up among the crowds. She was immediately healed. It was over. It's good, right? Everything's taken care of. No, he speaks up. And he starts to talk, and you can imagine the crowd, shh, shh, sh- shh, the teachers, sh- sh- he's talking, he's talking, quiet, quiet. And they quiet down, and he speaks up, and, and what does he say? He says, who? That who is very important to Jesus. Very, who? Who touched me? Someone touched me. Power has gone out. For me. And Peter speaks up, and you know how Peter is in the, in the New Testament. He's always the one to speak up. And Peter speaks up, Master, come on. I mean, really, Jesus, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people pressing in on you. Someone touched you. You'll, yeah, the lot, everybody touched you. Lots of. And he says, No, someone, a who, somebody, a person touched me. And, and eventually this woman comes forward and she says she's trembling. And she comes forward and she falls in front of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say, "Stay there. What does he?" Do? He, he lifts her spirit. He, he commends her for her incredible faith, right? This is an unbelievably powerful moment. There's physical healing, there's encouragement spiritually. There's, there's recognition from the Messiah in his most hectic season. Jesus pauses for people. Jesus pauses for a person, just one person. Jesus, you you could have done like a big mass miracle, but he pauses for this one particular person. You remember roll call from back in your school days? You remember this? Your school days, you were in school, and your teacher at the beginning of each day would call roll, and they would go through the list of names, and and because my last name is Wyatt, uh, W is at the very, I was always the last to be called. I was always the last in line, because not only was I W, but I was W y and there's rarely a last name with x or a y or a z for that matter so you feeling bad for you feeling bad for little Joshy wyatt right that was a, it was a, you should it was rough it was really rough and and so do you remember what you do when they go through the list of names and then they call your name you say here or you say present that was my favorite one they go through the list present 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 and some of you, I would imagine, you're like our, our middle child, Luca, who is not a morning person. By the way, uh, those of you who are not morning person, who is like extremely annoyed by the morning people. They really annoy you. It's okay. This is a safe space. You're okay. You're annoyed by the morning people. Well. My, my son, Luca, is he's not a morning person, and it's really tough to get this kid out of bed in the morning, and uh, you'd think he's 17 years old, but he's not, and he just, uh, and, and he plays dead. It's funny, on Saturdays, he jumps right out of bed, like at 6 in the morning, so he can play video games, but but school days, it's, it's impossible to get him out of bed, and uh, then he'll come down the stairs after, you know, and one of his tricks is is he'll, he'll go to bed with his clothes on that he's going to wear to school the next morning, I think he's just wrong, and Yeah, Uh, we we actually encourage that now because we used to have to try to help put clothes on this like corpse, you know? And so he'll roll out of bed and he'll come down the stairs and then he'll plop on the sofa and he'll just sit there with this blank look on his face with shoes and we'll say, Luca, put your shoes on. And we'll come back and do some things. Come back, Luca, put your shoes on. We'll come back and he's still just kind of half alive. Luca, put your shoes on. Here's the deal. He's there, but he's not really there. You know what I mean? Some of you right now, you might be here, but you stayed up too late last night, and you're not really here. And then you do you remember, you know, some of you remember your 8 a.m. college classes where I'm there, but I am, God help me, I am not, I am not, I'm not here, right? You, roll call, present, but you're really not present at, at all, right? Your mind's in another place, and, and if your mind is, you know, sometimes your mind is in another place, right? You're you're physically here, but your mind is not here. Sometimes you're you're physically with your spouse, but your mind is on a football game. Hello, right? Sometimes you're you're physically with your kids but your your mind is still at work sometimes you're you're physically with church family but your mind is way, just not even here right now I'm not I'm not here sometimes you're you're physically in a room with somebody but your mind is is on whatever the screen is showing you at the moment because we can't we can't put this thing down you're you're, you're physically in this city because you got to be in Boston to get an education or to jumpstart your career but 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 your mind is in the future when I get the heck out of this place and I can actually afford some property. I can build me a house or I can graduate and get out of all this stress. Some of you, that's where you're at right now. Listen, we have got to learn to pause, to be here and, and now. We pass by people every day and we might see them, but we don't see them. And Jesus pauses to be with people. Physically with people, mentally with people, emotionally with people. And here in his his craziest season, he sets precedent for us, doesn't he? To pause, to be with people. And God always has set the precedent for pause. We talked about the very beginning, a creation that he creates. And then he, he what? He pauses. Not because God gets tired, but because he's saying this is what my people need to do. They're rhythms of pause. Come back next week. We're going to really dig into this. I think it's going to be really, really helpful. But from creation to Christ, we get the precedent to pause, to pause, to be with people, to be with God. A few observations, uh, if you're taking notes from this story, I want to give you just a few here. here here's the first one. We need to be prepared to pause for people so if you're writing this down on the back of your river guide there we need to be prepared to pause for people we need to be prepared how can we be prepared we prepare our hearts well we create margin in our hearts in our minds in our lives for people We create margin. That goes all the way back to the Old Testament when when God gives the law to to Moses, the Mosaic law. Listen to Leviticus 19. We'll put it on the screen, 9 and 10. God gives this law for his people. This, This is distinctive of my people. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard you shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner that would be immigrant refugee leave it for them I am the Lord your God so why would we do all of this why would we share our stuff why would we leave margin in our, our lives because I'm the Lord your God because you follow me and Jesus gave everything for you how could you not leave margin to give for other people And so God, he establishes this law. He says, my people, yeah, you harvest your crops and you get what you need, but you leave margin on the edges for people. You make sure that there's enough to share. You don't touch that, right? So that if somebody needs food, it's available for them. Don't strip your vineyard bare so that if there's stuff that falls to the ground, you don't pick that up. You leave that for somebody who who might need that. Is the Bible unbelievably relevant for today or what? I mean, this is so pertinent to today. How can we have a hard heart? Not here, you don't mess with us. We, this is, no, it's, it's so relevant for today. I believe this, this law gives us a principle. The, the Old Testament law is not binding on us anymore. It, the, it speaks to the heart of God. This is God's heart. Leave margin in your life. Leave margin in your schedule. Leave margin on your calendar. Leave margin in your brain so that you can think when people need you to think. You can focus when people need you to focus. Don't strip your time bare that you have none to spare. Our instinct is, I got free time. I better better fill it with something. I better sign my kids up for another activity, for another lesson, for another sport. I better go after another degree. I better get another job so I can get a bigger house. And, And we think that margin is a bad thing. It's a gift. Keep it for the unique opportunities that God puts before you. Keep it. Keep it. I, mean, I think we're at a place where we have no time so that if there's a need in the church, we say, I can't. I just can't. I can't help. We have no time so that if, if somebody that you know and love and care for and they need a visit, you just can't because, you know what, I, 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 you know, I, I can't. Um, maybe you'll pull up my calendar. Oh, you know what, i got, I got some time in three weeks. They're hurting right now, right now. We have no time so that when we're at the park, and for whatever reason, we just connect so well with this person, but, but we, we got to leave because we got, we got a million other things we got to go back home and do. We got projects around the house. We can't continue this and talk. See you later, right? We have no time. We have no mental capacity to share so that when, when somebody needs us to think critically on something that they're working through, that we can, we can share that with them. We have no emotional capacity. I can't handle another friendship. I just can't do it. I can't pray with them. I can't empathize with them. I'm just too spent. I'm just too exhausted, right? So Jesus is, He was prepared, mentally prepared, emotionally prepared and looking for opportunities in his busiest of seasons in route to heal somebody, in route to do something good. I'm not saying that the stuff that we do is bad. He's in route to do something really good, in fact, great. He's going to go heal this, this child. But when a woman needs him, he stops. He says, I have enough margin to pause for her. And it absolutely changes this woman's life while he's en route to to change somebody else's life. How can we be prepared to pause? Maybe ask yourself, how am I unprepared right now? Why can't I stop ever? Why do I feel like when this whole series is like, ah, not me, I can't, I really, I just can't. Not me, not this season, everybody's the exception to everything we ever preach about, right? How, how, How do we prepare to pause? Well, we've started already, we've talked about make room on your calendar refuse to fill up every single night of your week our family we try to keep gaps so that we can connect with people meet with people right i'm telling you we we've, we've turned different sports and opportunities away we just, we it's too crazy we would never get to connect with anybody ever right schedule in how about this schedule in a pause like i don't know what's going to happen but i'm just going to put like blank here on my calendar because something will happen and It'll be an opportunity, and, and schedule that in. My wife did that just, just this week. Wednesday, not going to work, I don't know. I, and she reached out to a few folks and got to connect with one particular lady and just blessed her so deeply, right? She's just built it in, right? Maybe it's, it's just figure out how you can disengage from your device, right? And I'm not saying throw it away. we talked about that. It's, it's not practical, right? But, but make a commitment in your heart that that people take priority over technology they do right hopefully people take priority over technology we we try to establish this in our home in various ways so we, one of the things we do is we say listen if we're driving inside of 128 or 95 no devices in the car period no device you can't use them you can't can't touch them so our kids are like but please it's so it takes 10 whole minutes to get to church it's like crazy for them right we say listen that's a time where you do this old-fashioned thing called talking to people right and you actually speak about your day and your life we had to implement this on the way to church this this morning if we're going to the grocery store you don't need to like turn a movie on the ipad so that you can survive this trip around the block to the grocery store it's it's kind of ridiculous right we say but if we're going outside of 128 like outside of 95 means we're going over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we're going on that hour and a half ride and then we can maybe turn it on right and so that's what that's kind of how it works for us so we're going on a vacation long ride and it's partially for our sanity right but we're, we'll do that right and trust me it's it's for our sanity if we were to turn the device on, on the way to church too because i get here i'm like ah i gotta preach my kids are crazy but we're just we, we're trying to say listen people your family takes priority precedent over tech technology we, we apply this inside of the house too i'm just trying to give you ideas now we apply this inside of the house too we we say listen when you wake up if they had the opportunity when they wake up they go straight to a device if they can find where what anybody say hey can i borrow your phone debt? and they just go straight to a device and we say listen the first little while is a no device time we actually talk hey how did you sleep yeah i mean you fell asleep in that movie last night what part did you, you know we just we try to talk about stuff right don't go straight to the, remember we talked about this the, the, the first week of this series, we talked about that, that panic that you feel yeah, if you leave your house and you realize you don't have your phone, you go, <laughs> and you feel like you walked out of the house with no pants on, you're naked, right? And we, you start to get the jitters, like this is, this is awful, right? And, and I, uh, let me just share the stat with you again, 73% of 18 to 34 year olds report feeling panic if they forget their phones when they get out of the house. What about everybody else? The other 27%, well, 14% say when they leave the house, they feel desperate, like it's even worse, and then 7% say they feel sick if they leave the house and they don't have a phone on them. They're sick, like, I, I can't, I'm, I'm going to have a mental breakdown, right? We go to a public place, you don't know somebody, what do we do? immediately we look down it's, it's a comfort zone that's actually why churches I think started having coffee in the room too is because people could hide behind a coffee cup right we now we look at our phones right and so but you don't want people to think who is this weirdo in a public place and not on their phone right like what if I was at a public place and I was just kind of hanging out waiting you know that's awkward right that's what people used to do and then what would they do hey, what's your name? You actually talk to people. Now we just go straight to the, the glowing screen like a bug to a bug zapper, right? It's, it's crazy. We've got to be prepared to pause, to speak to, to people. Maybe those, those moments are there for you to say, you know what? Who cares about the awkwardness? I'm going to meet somebody for crying out loud. I'm going to talk to somebody right now. I'm going to I'm going to actually engage with somebody. And so Jesus comes. He's ready and he's looking for opportunities, which means we've got to actually look up and try to look into people's eyes and be prepared to pause for for people. That's how Jesus was with this, this woman. Another observation from Jesus and this woman on pausing for people and let me just let me just encourage you we got a few more to go here but the way it works with pastors just a little side note inside look is our first point is always like three quarters of the length of the sermon and then that's just how it goes because we get all excited and then we'll, we'll we'll go a little faster here here's the next one be convinced that nobody is insignificant write that down it's so crucial be convinced that nobody is insignificant this woman is not too insignificant for Jesus, She was not just another person in a crowd of hundreds, maybe thousands of people. She was valued and she was in need of his attention. And when she touched him, she was immediately healed so he could have kept going. But no, what he does is he stops and he speaks to her and he prioritizes pausing to look this woman in the eye and to commend her. Even though Jairus's daughter is dying, like she's about to die. He says, I'm going to be fully with this woman in this moment. She's going to get all of me, all my presence. I'm looking, I'm fully there. Have you ever been with somebody when it's clear that they are not fully with you right now? You know what I'm talking about? You're talking to them and it's like you know that they're like thinking about they're in another world. They're there but they're they're not there. They're they're maybe looking for a more lucrative social opportunity than speaking to you right now. You know how that makes you feel? You know that feeling? feels horrible happened to me just the other day we were in a, a gathering with a bunch of pastors uh, like a whole whole bunch of pastors and and I'm talking to this pastor who I still say is a friend of mine we're having a good conversation and then all of a sudden there was a famous pastor yeah there are such things as famous pastors in the pastor world famous pastor walks by and literally mid-sentence this guy drops me like a bad habit hey and I'm like whoa hey what you you know how I felt because you know the feeling You've been there. I think we've all done it. There's a a more lucrative social opportunity in that moment. And I'm not angry. I'm actually really grateful for a very good sermon illustration, I think. Right? I mean, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Friend. Uh, Because I understand how this happens. I know how this happens. And I've been convicted. I was convicted in that moment. I'm like, wow. Just like that. And that's me. And I do that. And I don't even know it. If I, you know, what, I got a, I got a, a message, like, f- years after college from this person that, because I went to school, I'm, I'm an old man, I went to school when there was no Facebook, and so I got this Facebook message, and this, this girl says, hey, you know what, um, I've always been really upset with you about something that happened in high school where I just, I didn't even realize, I, I guess I just dropped that person, and, and it wasn't like, it, it wasn't intentional, it's probably just a, a high school kid vying for attention and popularity, and just turned and didn't even acknowledge that person was 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 right there, and I've just been so con, convicted, right? These these moves to climb, push our our way up a ladder, pastors do it. It's ridiculous, right? The Bible speaks to that. The brother or the good friend of Jesus, Peter, he says, 1 Peter five six: Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So our job is to humble ourselves. He says, so that at the proper time, God will exalt you. So we don't exalt ourselves. We don't try to push our way up. We humble ourselves. And at the proper time, God will do the exaltation. The the brother of Jesus, James, says to to a church that was favoring rich people, is what they were doing, by the way. James says, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So you want to play that game? God's going to oppose you. You humble yourself. The proper time, God lifts you up. You don't move yourself up. You let God move yourself up, lest God move you down. The synagogue ruler, most certainly for Jesus, was a more lucrative social move for him to go and heal that guy's daughter because you win him, you win the town, right? And literally, I used to go and travel and, and preach around the, the country for, for teenagers and college students, and, and I, I cannot tell you how many churches I've gone to, and, and they would go, uh, listen, I'm so excited, so just before you get on stage to, to preach, we actually have, we've got the captain of the football team, gave his life to Jesus, he's going to share his story, and then we got this cheerleader friend of his, and she's going to get up, and then we got this really gifted musician, and he's going to, I'm like, what? Is that how it goes? Is that James? We're gonna, if, they, if they're popular, if they're good looking, if they're funny, if they're charismatic, then they're worthy. Of, I know a guy who played professional football. His name is Vody. He's an incredible preacher. He, he refuses to tell people that he played professional football when he preaches. He just gets up and preaches. And they go, that's a big preacher. And he gets off and they have no idea. It's amazing. It's brilliant, right? He says, I don't play that game. God doesn't play that game. God doesn't go for the more, the better positioned people. Jesus didn't do it. He says, yeah, there's this woman right here, and, and yeah, she probably doesn't have the contacts, right, that, that, that this guy has. Her LinkedIn profile is really lame. I don't even know how that works, so stop asking me. I'm not going to do it. So I get all those emails. Anybody? And uh, even for you, you don't even know that you're sending me those LinkedIn. Be your friend or whatever you call it on LinkedIn. No, right? Jesus says, no, no. This woman, she is... She is bleeding, which means she's ceremonially unclean for, for Jewish people. She's, she's, she's bleeding, which also means that, that people would say, hey, because of this, this continual problem that you can't get taken care of, it means that you're cursed by God, and so you, you deserve this. You've done something really horrible, and God is doing this to you. His, this issue has caused her to spend all of her money so that she is broke. She is poor. And so she's hanging out with poor people. She can't go to the party. She can't get the, the, the stat. that's not how it works for her. She's, there's this stigma on her, right? Jairus, on the other hand, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying people are going to look to him and say, wow, this is incredible. He's, he's trustworthy. He's got this great position. Uh, his, his daughter, uh, she's so ill. How sad. We, we need to take care of this situation. It's far more urgent. I mean, this woman, she's lived with this thing for 12 years. And so she can wait a, A couple more hours, I'm sure. But she was not too insignificant for Jesus. Jesus, the Lord of all creation, pauses for her. And if Jesus, the Lord of all creation, pauses for her, certainly we mere humans can pause for people who are seemingly insignificant. People that everybody else overlooks. The poor, the people with the, the issues, the, the, the people who are frequent offenders and how dare they again and again and again, the people who they probably deserved this. They got it. It was common to them, right? One of the best complaints I ever got about our church is, is somebody, <laughs> a good complaint. You're like, oh, I'm curious. What's a good complaint? The best complaint I ever got about our church was I had a person say, I'm the kind of person who comes to church and likes to hide in the back row and then slip out, and it frustrates me that I can't do that at your church. And you guys are like, that's so true. And I'm, I was like, well, thank you. And I point him to a really big church down the road. Now, uh, you guys are so good at connecting with people. And you know what the most beautiful line in this whole story to me is? Verse 47, look at it. Look at verse 47. says when the woman saw that she was not hidden she came and fell before him amazing right she saw that she was not hidden Jesus saw her and there are people all over our neighborhoods who are hidden who are living in shadows, maybe the shadow of the successful, the shadow of a sibling, the shadow of, of poverty, the shadow of all the holy people, and they're not so holy so they think that there's nothing, that, that I can't come to, to church, I can't be a part of, of, of faith family, the shadow of shame, the shadow of abuse, the shadow of mental illness. Jesus sees them. Will we see them is now the question. Will we see them? Will we speak to them? Will we listen to them? Will we love them? Will we show hope to them? And this is the question we always have to ask, church. Listen, very carefully. If not us, then who? If not us, then who? We're going to try to legislate it so that the government does it? Come on. Screw it up time and time again. No, the church, it's It's us. Another observation from Jesus and the woman. We have to be willing to be inconvenienced. Be willing to be inconvenienced. Was it convenient for Jesus to pause to be with this woman? No. Great crowds were pressing in all around him, squeezing him. You got to keep moving, right? You, I just kind of picture, you know, you see TMZ. I've never watched it, never watched it. But <laughs> you see TMZ and the celebrities are moving and, they're, and they're, their guards are pushing them really fast. They can't stop because if they stop, all the teenage girls will come and, and then they can't keep moving. And Jesus, you got to keep moving, right? you got to get to this girl. It is urgent and if you delay, more people come. The slower you move, the girl will die. you got to keep moving. It wasn't convenient. He was already cutting it really close. We saw at the beginning, she's dying, this girl. But he pauses, or should we say it this way? Jesus has the faith to pause. Some of us have to exercise faith to pause. Like my logic says that no, it's not gonna work. If I pause, it's not, it's not gonna work. And it didn't work, did it? She died. I, I'm not gonna read the rest of it today, but you can go ahead, I'll just go ahead and spoiler alert, she dies. The girl dies. However, Jesus says, I'm gonna pause. She dies. Heals the woman, elevates the woman's spirit. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. At The proper time he lifts you up, right? He lifts her up. Then he goes on. And because he exercised faith to pause, an incredible miracle, and this little girl is raised to life. Amazing. Two ends of the spectrum in this town both have an amazing miracle in their lives. You've got to have faith to pause. Because listen, I know. The math doesn't add up, right? The math doesn't add up. You're saying I got 24 hours in a day. It's, I can't. I just. There's no way for me to be present with people. Well, it's, it is often a step of faith. Many of us don't have margin. You're saying, yeah, yeah. You, you preach all this good game about creating margin. I can't create margin. I've tried. I got kids. My pet's heads are falling off. You know, like I. I can't. I can't create margin, right? And listen. It's, it's a step of faith sometimes. I remember, I'll never forget a coll- uh, conversation I had with one of our college students a few years ago, and uh, he's still around. He's one of the few that stuck around, stood around and with us, and, and yet when he was a college student, he really had a heart for people in his, his dorm to, to, to come to know Jesus, and he said, Josh, it was crazy. I remember you talking about just the kind of the principle of your first fruits. It doesn't just apply to your money; it applies to your time. And he said, and 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 he talked about margin. He said, this this. It was late at night. I had a test the next morning, and I had to get to bed. But one of my, my roommates had this issue going on, and had like trust learned to trust me because of my faith in Jesus, and and just said, can we talk? And our conversation went till like three in the morning. And he says, I just had to exercise faith not to cut the guy off and to be present with him. And the guy there that night gave his life to Jesus, started coming to our church. We have sent that guy out now, right? But he, had, he said, I, I exercise faith. And, and you know what happened with the test? He did amazing on the test. He, he just exercised faith. Incredible. Some would say irresponsible. And others would say faith-filled and God moved. If you look through the Bible... There are lots of miracles that happen that required first somebody to be inconvenienced. If you look at the, the story uh, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, a lot of the ministry of Jesus was done in Capernaum. And it was done particularly in the Apostle Peter's house and uh it was neat he was his mother-in-law was healed by jesus and then ministry just kept happening out of peter's house well you might know the story of the great crowds that came around the house of jesus or or, that jesus was now staying in at peter's house and all these crowds are here and there was these four guys that had a friend who was paralytic you know I'm talking about you know the story and and they went to the door and they couldn't get him in so what did they do do you know the story they cut a a roof a hole through the roof of, of his house you ever thought about the fact that Peter has a stinking hole in his roof now? Right? Like, if I'm Peter, I'm looking over at Judas, who is the money guy for the, the little the committee, right? And be like, you better. You're going to pay for that, right? Like, he had, a, he had a hole in his roof. That's inconvenient. But the hole in the roof led to a miracle. And the hole in your calendar, or or the gap, the struggle, the sleep, it can lead to to a miracle. In order for a a paralytic to, to be able to walk again and have his sins forgiven, maybe for you to be able to minister to somebody, it gets inconvenient, but is it worth it? Jesus would say it's worth it. Jesus went to the ultimate inconvenience, he went to the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So catch this, your inconveniences as you exercise inconveniences with faith can turn into your joys. You can look back and say that was a little, in the moment, it was a little inconvenient, a little frustrating, but man how God showed up. It's inconvenient to get yourself midweek to plug into a connection group, to prioritize being with people. It, it parents, can we just all agree, and just tell me say preach, it's feels impossible right and some of you i've seen you you've taken the step of faith we're gonna we're gonna do it and you've been so blessed by it yeah my kid has to stay up an extra 30 minutes hour whatever but but man it's just been such a rich part of our faith our lives it teaches our kids to prioritize people so that they can then do that right and we don't just go to to a group to to talk bible with people for ourselves right that's not we have never trained you that way right i hope We've never trained you that way. We also go because we have people who need us to encourage their hearts, we need, who need us to pray for them in the middle of the week when they're struggling, who need us to say, I, I know your eyes are, are blurry, full of tears, but can I just can I show it's clear to me right now that God is using this in your life? They need us, right? It's inconvenient. There's a lot of stuff that's inconvenient that can lead to a miracle, which leads to our final observation. We always need to be reminded that Jesus pauses for us. Jesus pauses for you. The woman, in a very real sense, is you. In a very real sense, that's you. Jesus looking at you. Jesus is present with you. And as we read the Bible, we should be absolutely blown away at the uncanny interest that God takes in you. We read this dichotomy in the scripture of how massive God is and how important God is and it's always then balanced with the attention of God. The favor of God of God, the grace of God, the importance of God. Hebrews chapter 1, 3, he holds all things together by the word of his power. His planets are orbiting, the universe is held together by the, the, the word of his power. And yet the attention of God, Psalm 8, 4, who am I that you are mindful of me? It's incredible. That should leave us singing in awe that should, should leave us praying with privilege. That should leave us struggling, but with comfort. He, he knows it. He's with me. He, he sees me. He's present in this moment. Jesus is looking at you. Jesus is looking at you right now. How do we respond? Would you guys close your eyes and, in this moment? Let's just close our eyes to get distractions out of the room. I just want to ask you a couple of follow-up questions. While the band comes on up front, some of you right now, some of you, you need to respond to the reality that Jesus sees you, that the God of the universe sees you. He knows you. He cares about you. He's got the hairs on your head number, the Bible says. And that should lead you to worship. That's incredible. God, you know me. You see me. That should lead you like Jairus, like like this woman. It should lead you to fall at the feet of Jesus and say, who are you? And who am I in light of who you are? It's incredible. And some of you today, you've never given your life to Jesus. I would implore you in faith, like like Jairus in his faith and this woman in her faith. Place faith in Jesus. God, you are incredible, and I want to follow you. I want to walk right there with you. And if that's you today, I call you to that. To turn from sin and turn to Him. And sin ultimately is just independence from God. To say, God, no, I'm, in, I'm completely dependent on you. I want to walk with you. I receive the, the new life you give me by paying the price for my sins and taking care of that issue, the greatest issue. Resurrecting from the grave, giving me that life. And if that's you, I pray right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God is stirring your heart, and in your own words to God, you would say, "God, I need Jesus. I recognize that I sin against you, and now I want to follow you. And trust in you. Be the king of my heart, be the king of my life. It's the biggest decision a person could ever make. Others of you in here right now, maybe God is challenging you to be present for other people. To help you to like Jesus have an uncanny interest in other people. Even when it's difficult, even when it requires a step of faith with your time, with your, your attention, with your energy, your your personal capacity. God, would you expand our personal capacity? This is how we will reach our community. That we would see people who are in the shadows. We would love them. Love them like Jesus. So Father, I pray that you would do your work in our hearts this morning. Wherever we're at, help us to respond. But may we start with the reality that you see us. And then out of that, work from a, a, a heart full of your love and your grace see others. God, give us eyes to see people the way you see them. Change our community through your church family here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.